Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Here you go. Here you go. Ho, 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 everybody. It's December 24th. Christmas Eve day, and the word of the day on today's Nothing Personal is extortion. Extortion is the word of the day. So let's start with what extortion is, just so we're all on the same page. So when we have this discussion about our favorite football team, we can all understand the playing field. What are the rules? The rules are that if we're going to talk about Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team, that we have to understand what's going on legally, what's going on practically, and then what's going on from a purely entertainment standpoint. So extortion is defined as the practice of obtaining something, especially money, through force or threats. So we all know we've heard that word. We've used that word. Usually extortion is used in business or personally, I guess that means it's always used. I know something that you don't know. And if you don't want me to tell someone else what you know that I know that you don't want the other person to know, that'll be a dollar. Add a few zeros as it gets more important. I know something really bad. And if I tell that person the thing that's so bad, you are going to lose lots of money. So give me 50 grand and I'll keep it quiet. Another word for extortion is hush money. Because the whole point of extortion is that you are getting paid to then not say what you know. And you're getting paid by the person who knows that you know something bad about him or her or them. And so they're willing to pay you. And if it's super, super bad, the money goes up. The other time extortion can be used. Nope, it's just money. Wait a minute, can you extort someone if you don't give me your house? Yeah, but that's just money. It's another form of money. It's something you can sell, something that has some commercial value. Extorting information. No, no, no. Okay, so let's now give the frame of the issue. Do you remember we've talked this entire year? And by the way, this whole story 
being able to tell it to you on Christmas Eve day is so great because it's giving Dan Snyder the biggest lump of coal that even Gail Godot couldn't lift. That's how big it is. And we are here for that. So remember, we've talked about that. Daniel Snyder has 60% ownership of the Washington football team. You wouldn't know that because everybody is silent except for him. And you'd think that he owns a hundo, but in fact, he owns 60. And then there's a few people who own the rest of the 40%. One of those people is Fred Smith, the chairman of Federal Express. Oh, I just aged myself. They changed their name. They're now just FedEx. And another one is a guy named blank. And of course, I'm saying blank because in my head, I want to say it's Dwight Sklar, but I don't think that's the name. It's Dwight Shar. I went to high school with a guy named Jonathan Sklar. Maybe that's why that was in my head. Dwight Shar is another limited partner. And Dwight Shar and the other two limited partners, Fred Smith and another guy, are trying to sell their 40% interest to Dan Snyder. Dan Snyder is trying to buy that 40% interest for a total of nine hundred million dollars. Now that would be great, except 40% of the Washington football team is worth a lot more than $900 million. It reminds me of the four, the that start over now. It reminds me of the New York Mets when there was a deal done that Fred Wilpon had was partners with a guy named Nelson Doubleday. They owned the Mets together. Fred Wilpon said, I want to buy you out. Doubleday said, let's get the team appraised. The team was appraised by someone who had great interest in having the number be as low as possible, which is what Fred Wilpon would want. Nelson Doubleday was upset. There were some legal tanglings, and Fred Wilpon ended up owning the entire Mets at a great number, which he then turned around and sold to Stevie Cohn for 2.4 plus bill. So what happens when there is a deal between limited partners and a general partner, which is that's what a partnership is that owns an asset like a team. There's a partnership that gets together. Somebody's in charge. He or she is called the general partner. The general partner makes the decisions on behalf of the other partners, like who you're going to sign, who you're going to trade, what you're going to call your team name, et cetera. So when the limited partners want to sell When you are buying limited partnership shares, they're not really worth a lot except to the general partner. What do I mean by that? There's nothing so limiting as being a limited partner. Limited partners don't have a ton of rights. They don't have a ton of um, anything other than obligations because when a partnership needs money, then all partners have to put in money. That's actually what happened in Montreal when Jeffrey Loria owned the Montreal Expos. He did a cash call because the team needed money the limited partners did not want to put money in. So Jeffrey Loria put the money in and therefore he was able to get more shares of the partnership. But you can't force limited partners not to put money in to keep their pro rata share. So if the Redskins ever were losing money or the football team were ever losing money, Daniel Snyder could say to the limited partners, hey, we need $200 million. You own 40% of the team. So we're going to need $80 million. And if you don't do it, then you're not going to own 40% of the team any longer. That's called getting diluted. So when limited partners then go to sell their limited partner shares, 
They look for people who want to own sports teams, who want to go into clubhouses, who want to have access to professional athletes, who want to go to parties and say, I own the Washington football team or I own any, any team of any sport. But at the end of the day, they really don't get to do what they really want to do, which is to be in the room where it happens when cool things happen, or at least cool for the beginning of your ownership. So these limited partners of the Washington football team are trying to sell to the only person who will pay market value in theory, or even above market value in theory, and that is the person who owns the rest of the team, because then there's a big incentive for that person to own the entire pie, not have to have board meetings, not need to worry about giving limited partners tickets or autograph memorabilia or doing board meetings or any other things that have to happen in a partnership. So the first thing a limited partner does when he or she wants to sell his or her shares is they go to the general partner and say, you want to buy? So they went to Daniel Snyder and said, hey, buy our shares. Daniel Snyder said, all right, here's 900 mil. They said, no, we want 1.4 billion, maybe more, because we think this team is worth at least three and a half bill because Forbes said it was which of course is funny because Forbes doesn't know it's ass from his elbow. So they have no idea what the Washington football team is worth because as you know, it's not like a public company where you can take the shares of stock outstanding times the amount of money that each share is worth and say, hey, that's how much the company's worth. Of course, companies are worth more than that because they've got assets and they've got cash. Although some people say that's baked into the share price. I digress. Wait a minute, I see... No. Is it too early for Santa? As a Jewish guy, I never really understood the whole Santa concept, by the way. How does he have time to get to everybody's house? Are there lots of Santas? So when I was young, I would go be on the streets of New York City and there'd be all these guys in Santas. Some of them would look like Billy Bob Thornton. Some of them would look like Chris Kringle. Some would look like John Candy. You just don't know. But they all had the white beard and the red. Some of them are standing in front of Bloomingdale's ching, cling, clanging a bell trying to get money. And uh, I always wondered the whole chimney thing because my friends would always say Santa goes down a chimney and leaves gifts. So I never understood, A, how he had time to get to every house and B, and this is not being a fat shamer, but I just didn't understand the math because I was a big math guy. I didn't understand sort of how he would fit in certain chimneys given certain of the Santas that I would see on the street. But I'm looking out right now and I just saw like a, a car go by and Santa was in the car. And it just reminded me of childhood because that confused me also because I was taught that Santa is with Rudolph. But I guess Santa has to drive to pick up the sled. Anyway, I wonder if Santa gets COVID tested before he goes into people's houses tonight or tomorrow morning. I guess that's a way to see that we can do coca. So anyway, so the limited partners are involved in a major fight with Daniel Snyder. And what the limited partners, especially Dwight Shar, have been doing, according to Daniel Snyder, is he has been sullying Daniel Snyder's reputation. And the way he has been sullying his reputation is by leaking bad stuff about Danny Boy. Stuff like he was aware of the prurient and salacious activities of the Washington football team cheerleaders during calendar shoots, that he was involved in paying out a settlement on a sexual misconduct case to somebody, which we covered yesterday. 
Well, Daniel Snyder, his guns are blazing. He walks into court and he says, stop in the name of love before you break my reputation. You can't allege that I'm a bad guy. I'm Daniel Snyder. Everything's good in the hood. And by the way, there was no sexual misconduct because I hired someone to investigate it and they didn't find anything wrong, but I paid the money because I didn't want anyone to talk about it. I didn't want my reputation to suffer at all. I wanted people to hate me because my team sucks. I didn't want people to hate me because they thought that I was some sort of sexual deviant who likes watching flight attendants take their clothes off. (laughs) I wonder how much you pay to have that happen. I've been on a lot of flights in my time. I've never seen a flight attendant take clothes off. I've just never seen it. I don't think it happened in this case either. I don't even know if that's being alleged. But the point is, he paid the money and he's claiming I paid the money not because I did anything. I paid it because I didn't want anyone to talk about the fact that I could have done something because in the media, when you're accused of doing something, it's on page one. When you're exonerated, it's on page 15. Below the fold, in the corner, in tiny fonts smaller than the obituary of someone who knew five people. The problem with that theory is that when you accuse someone of doing that, there is information out there that can prove you wrong. So what's going on in Washington right now is that Daniel Snyder's in court and he's filing all these pleadings saying that Dwight Shar underwent and has been undergoing a smear campaign to force me to sell at a lower price. He's extorting me because all of the negative press that, by the way, the claim, and this is a good one, the claim from Danny is that the limited partner's daughter bought a burner phone, gave the burner phone to a former employee who doesn't work for the team anymore, would give that former employee information over the burner phone who would then pass it on to the Washington Post, like frickin' Watergate. The problem is, that's not extortion. In addition, it is not extortion when someone is doing something that they believe may embarrass you, that they believe may make you feel badly, may upset you, but it cannot in any way force you or make you feel as though that paying them money will stop it. Dwight Shar is not doing this on behalf of Fred Smith and the other limited partners so that he will be forced to sell and then forced to sell at a higher price. That doesn't work. That's not even a possible plan. Do you think, if you're Danny, do you think that the limited partners sit around and they say, hey, I got an idea. Let's trump up a bunch of accusations, a bunch of allegations. Let's have them at a strip mall getting a massage. 
Oh, no. Well, let's not do that because other other owners do that. Okay, let's have him on an airplane doing bad things. Let's have him at photo shoots. Let's have him overall looking as though he's not a good family guy. Quote, unquote, air quote. Because then he'll value the team at a much higher price. It's not going to work. It's simply not going to work. Dan Snyder can say all the quotes he wants, including, I firmly believe that plaintiff's motion and supplemental filing and the news articles that they have generated are the latest in the effort to extort me. Just the latest in the effort to extort me. I feel extorted. I'm naked. How does this end? The way most things end with a journey and a broken heart. I was talking to Coca yesterday. I can't remember. It may not have been Coca. I may have been talking to myself about the Oscars and about the best supporting actor and best supporting actress. We were, I was talking, Coca, was it you? We were talking about Chadwick Boseman, who's probably going to be nominated and win posthumously for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix. And the fact that Heath Ledger was only on The Joker for like 36 minutes in that movie. And he won posthumously as well. And how funny it was in your mind that some supporting actors can win without having much screen time and that that makes no sense. Uh, but that's, of course, what a supporting actor is. But I digress. Judy Dench won for Shakespeare in Love. And I think she had like nine minutes of screen time. And her last line or one of the last lines in the movie with Colin Firth and Gwyneth Paltrow had something to do with how does this end? And it ends with a journey because she was going to go on a But whatever. I, what am I talking about? Do you have any idea, Coca? Do you have any idea where we are in the rundown? Do you have any idea why I'm talking about how this? Oh, yes. Thank you, Coca. How this ends for Daniel Snyder and the limited partners. It doesn't end with a journey. It doesn't end with a broken heart. It only ends with a transaction where Daniel Snyder buys them out at the full value of the team that will be found by a true neutral third party appraiser. Because Roger Goodell is not going to force Daniel Snyder to sell over this stuff. No. Roger Goodell needs more. And he's looking. He is looking. Because they're a dumpster fire. The whole NFC East, by the way, between the Eagles. The, I mean, it's a, it's a ridiculous. Okay. I think we got to do some updates here. I like doing updates. They're not wait-to-see updates. They're updates on topics we've talked about things that interest me, that interest you, that you tell me interest you, that I believe interest you, or that it doesn't matter whether they interest you because they interest me. Clem Haskins. Let's start with him. Although, sorry, Coca, no need to start with Clem Haskins because I think he's the former coach of Minnesota. I think we should start with, uh, help me, Coca, Dwayne Haskins. (laughs) God. Oh, Edit that out. 81, Art Monk. 82, 83. I like giving updates. I think we should start with Dwayne Haskins of the Washington football team. The guy who had the party in the hotel with the strippers. Sorry, CBS, that's two shows in a row. But it's, uh, by the way, it's, it's just, it's a way to make money. That's all it is. It's a job. It's not just a job. It can be an adventure. So Ron Rivera, 
the guy brought in to change the culture of the Washington football team, which, by the way, the Washington football team and the culture they had was that of absolute misogyny, misconduct, homophobia, all the things that needed changing. They bring in a black president. They bring in Ron Rivera, and it's all going to change. And Ron Rivera says, Dwayne, I don't like that you broke COVID protocol. I don't like that you invited strippers into the room. But I've looked around, and I believe a proportional punishment is a fine, but here's the big one I'm going to do to you. I'm stripping you of your C, and I'm replacing it with the scarlet S. Right next to WFT, you're going to have to put a big S on your jersey, and it stands for Strippus. He stripped him of his C. I'm sorry, Dwayne. You can't go to the middle of the football field and flip a coin at the beginning of the game or at the end of the game before overtime. And the other players are going to know that you're not a real leader because you're no longer a C. Are you upset? Are you going to change your behavior from now on? Is that going to be a deterrent? Do you think you can be rehabilitated and you can earn that C back? Because you know when you've got a C that that means you're going to make extra money in your next contract. (laughs) has nothing to do with it. But we've decided that you can play this weekend. (laughs) It's too much for me. I wonder if Ron Rivera in the course of changing the culture, realizes that he only wants to change the culture if the team were bad. But with the team in the playoff hunt, ready to win the NFC Nevers, that means that we're going to do whatever we can to put our best foot forward come game day. You know who couldn't put their best foot forward last night? I I guess they put their foot forward somewhere. Maybe they put their feet up in their hotels. The Houston Rockets... The John Wall-led Houston Rockets. Oh, there's that other guy, too, with the beard. He's on that team. They were playing the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's the team that has Kevin Durant and James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Rockets were playing the Thunder, and guess what? The game was not played. The NBA released a full statement about why the game wasn't played last night. Opening night of the NBA and the NBA's gets get some bad press. Bad press because under the COVID protocols, there are two or three Rockets who had inconclusive tests. There was a violator of the COVID protocols in James Harden. The Rockets did not have the minimum number of players needed to play a National Basketball Association game, which is on the... Dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho. Under Eight players are needed to play a game. I thought it was five, but I, I must not know the rules. So apparently, you need eight players to play an NBA game because you can't have five players play 48 minutes. And the Rockets, according to COVID protocols, as set forth to and agreed by the union and the league, said the Rockets didn't have enough players. So they weren't forcing them to forfeit. They just postponed the game. 
And they said, remember, we have only released the first half of the NBA schedule through March 4th. The second half, which begins March 15th after an 11-day, quote-unquote, all-star mid-COVID break, are unscheduled. So there's no problem with rescheduling games because, God forbid, we cannot have a team forfeit. But if a team acts in a way that makes it so they can't suit up the minimum number of players, I think that's when a forfeit comes. But then the Rockets would say, yeah, but we only have a few players who may be positive with inconclusive positives. And the others were maybe through contact tracing. But hey, contact tracing, we all shower together. Pass me the soap on the rope. So you can't blame us. So the NBA said, all right, we're not going to play. James Harden takes the night off and he decides the best way to take the night off is to make it very clear that he's the victim, that everyone's out to get the beard. And he wanted to be very clear that he was not at a strip club. That's his story and he's sticking to it. He was at a party unaware of that it would be a violation because maybe he didn't know there were so many people. Maybe he didn't know that there'd be so many people taking their clothes off. Maybe he didn't know that there were so many people at a place taking their clothes off where there were poles and music. Maybe he didn't know that there were so many people there without masks. Maybe, and this is where it gets real because I get this. There's such a lack of personal protection equipment Although the irony is all you have to do is go into the bathroom at a club and they've got a ton of personal protection equipment. But in any case, I digress even further. Maybe he just couldn't get a mask because there weren't enough masks available. And that's really on the rockets. You've got to be able to supply your employees and your players with masks. And I know they're super hard to come by. I can't find them anywhere. I mean, I literally, I mean, what anywhere. the NBA were serious about protocols, they would do something totally different. Totally different. So James Harden starts the NBA season off. I watched a bunch of games last night. Again, it felt weird. Second night of the NBA. And what felt weird to me, I was watching Luca, um, Luca, it's Nikola, Nikola Jokic and Luca Donkic. I, I, I get it wrong. And I'm watching uh, Chris Paul play for the Phoenix Suns. And I'm thinking about all the stuff we talked about with the Phoenix Suns and Booker and all the issues with the Suns. And then I'm watching the, uh, the first game, which was the Milwaukee Bucks against the Boston Celtics. Giannis missed, two free th- missed a free throw at the end. The Bucks lose. And I was just thinking to myself, how bizarre is it for these players to get themselves revved up for a 72-game regular season And the NBA is watching each game thinking to themselves, can we do it? Can we not do it? So everyone has a different perspective for how they're watching. And there's another guy who has some perspective, thankful to have a job. Let's give an update, if that's okay, on Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey was the head of the Houston Rockets. Daryl Morey was the one who had the tweet supporting the plight of those in Hong Kong. Daryl Morey was the one who I thought would not be working for the Rockets this year, and he's not. He was 
told that he could resign, so he did. And you know from nothing personal, if you've learned anything over 280 episodes, every time someone resigns, they do it a millisecond after they were fired. That's just how it goes. So Daryl Morey finally spoke. He got a job, remember? Remember the whole Philadelphia 76ers situation? That total craziness where they hired Doc Rivers and then they brought in Daryl Morey and they may trade for Harden. They may not trade for Harden. They haven't traded for Harden. They've got Embiid. They've got Simmons. They've got the process. So we remember all that. So the Sixers opened up their 21-22 campaign or it's 2021 campaign, excuse me. And they opened it, Coca, I believe, with a win over... I'm blanking. Could they have beaten the Wizards with Westbrook, who got a triple-double in a losing effort? I'm not positive. But the Sixers did win their first game. And Daryl Morey spoke to the media prior, and he finally opened up about his comments to China about what happened and the hundreds of millions of dollars that were lost. And he openly acknowledged that he thought he would never work in the NBA again. And what I found telling and upsetting and pathetic about what happened is he actually feared for his life. He said there were things that happened after that made him and his family, he has a a wife and kids, that made them fearful, but that he had protection. And uh, now things are a little better. And his quote was uh, scary. His quote was, it's not great, and I'm, and I'm not giving you his exact quote, but it's something like this. I'm nothing personal when I have an exact quote. I'll tell you it's an exact quote. But this was the genesis of the quote. Was, it's scary when the second most powerful government in the world is angry with you. And that's true. But it got me thinking, if China's number two is Russia three, or is the U.S. three? And I was thinking that the fear of a government having the power, and this is one of the oldest issues that faces societies, that faces citizens, is when you fear your government, that is a government that is ruling, in my opinion, in a non democratic way. And then I thought about it further as I was preparing for the show and thinking about this segment. And I thought about all the people who live here in America who fear their government, all people in America who don't trust their government, all people in America who believe their government's out to get them and not just being conspiracy theorists, true fear that the power of the government enables them to, whether it's unfairly prosecute, whether it's targeted prosecution, whether it is through economic quashing. There's so many ways that a government can wield its sword on its citizens. And I generally viewed those as economic or freedom-based. But to think that they are life-based is incredibly off-putting, scary, frightening, and gives me chills. So I felt for Daryl Morey and his views and his fears. 
And he explained that he came out in favor of Hong Kong and their plight because he had met several people from Hong Kong. I've met several people from Hong Kong, too. But he went to business school with them or met them in business school, was friends with them and was trying to support them. And it got me thinking about social media and Twitter and all of the things that people are using now as their platform. And I felt torn inside because I've talked to you on nothing personal about using your platform, whether your platform is one person at a dinner, whether your platform is 10 people at a larger gathering where you can get COVID at a round table when there's nothing you did wrong because you're outside or whether you've got a thousand followers on Twitter or 10 million followers on Twitter using your platform. But when you are trying to help people, there are myriad ways to do it. As you know, the highest level of charity is doing it anonymously and silently. If Daryl Morey is trying to show support of the people he knew in Hong Kong, what you, are, what you do when you try to support people is you ask them, what can I do? Because I know what I want to do is I want to draw attention to what's happening. But will that help you? Will that hurt you? Will that help me? Will that hurt me? And then on top of that, will it actually solve the problem or at least take a step toward solving the problem? And what Daryl Morey did on Twitter did none of those. It didn't draw attention to the issue because that's a good way to use a platform to draw attention to an issue that no one knows about. Everyone knew about the Hong Kong protests. Everyone knew China's view of it. Everyone knew where the NBA was. It didn't cause the NBA to all of a sudden come out and change its view toward China. It didn't do anything to make the protesters more safe, if anything, maybe less safe. It didn't anything to help him with his job or anyone else with their jobs. So when you're trying to help, isn't it important to figure out the best way to help? So I'm sorry that Maury feared for his life. But I also know that China is not nearly over this issue. And the NBA can pretend all at once that everything's hunky-dory with their biggest business partner. All the players from LeBron on down can think all's good. Our shoe deals are intact. Do you remember when China pulled the NBA off the air? Do you remember when this came down last year? Or I don't remember when it was. This may have been two years ago. Coca, what year was the Maury tweet? It couldn't have been 2020, but maybe it was, but it feels like it was five years ago. They, there was a, a, uh, a tour going on with NBA teams. The games were stopped. They made it out of China. It was that whole big thing. And then China said, we're not showing your games on TV anymore, which means it was October of 19. Thank you, Coca. October of 19 was just prior to the start of the 1920 season. That would make sense. So China said, we're not showing the game. So you're not going to be able to promote your players here in China. So your licensing and your merchandise sales are going to go down. And we're not going to pay you the broadcast fees, fees that we pay you. Yada, 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 yada. Well, guess what? NBA said when the season started this year, we're back. Everything's good. The games are back on TV in China. Hip, hip. Hooray! 
Guess what two teams China's not showing? I'll, I'll let you guess. Yeah, you're right. You got it. The Houston Rockets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Their games will not be on in China. I wonder what the common thread is between the Rockets and the Sixers. I can't think of it, but it'll come to me. Give me a minute. Come on, synapses. Ah, Daryl Morey. Stay safe, Daryl. Stay smart. Let's make some changes. When we come back, it's all about Christmas. Let's do some movies. We'll be right back here on Nothing Personal. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think there'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. This is the last show of 2020. The last episode that we count is two, episode 280. Although Coca counts sit-downs and he counts bonus episodes. I don't know how he does it. I don't know what he does. But I, when I prepare the document and then Coca comes in and we talk about it, then it gets edited and we sort of, have you ever been on a Google Doc where you can each edit at the same time and then the name pops up? If you don't know what I mean, then get on Google Docs. It's so cool. You can make changes on a document while the other person's watching and then you can look at the history. So I'm changing episode numbers. He's changing episode numbers. I'm looking at this topic. He's looking at that topic. He's saying, no, yes, no, 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 definitely not. David, what is wrong with you? At best, talk about that. No one cares about this. That's me and Coca. That's our relationship. I don't know why that just came up. Ah, because it's not the last time that you're going to hear my dulcet tones in 2020. Because we're going to have two mailbag episodes at the end of the month, which is coming up next week. That's the end of 2020, the end of December. Mailbag episodes are when you ask questions on Apple Podcasts, you rate and review nothing personal. And you guys, thank you for 2020. It's almost a guilty feeling because it's been such a brutal year for everybody. And um, nothing personal has 
It's just been great. I'm so thankful to all of the listeners who are listening and have downloaded and subscribe and are with me every day. I'm thankful to people watching on, on our YouTube channel and for just really giving me an opportunity to be in your ear or in your eyes 45 minutes every single day. I got a few hopes for 2021. We'll talk about that during the mailbag episodes because someone asked me to list some resolutions and some predictions. So I'm going to do that during the episodes. But what I'm going to do today, because you know I watch movies every day and everyone talks about Christmas movies, let's do the top five all-time Christmas movies. How about that? Everyone does Christmas movie lists. And it starts with the following. I've got certain rules about what is a Christmas movie. They're my rules. If you don't like them, you can have your own rules. The biggest disagreement people have is whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Just because Hans and Franz are getting pumped up and in elevators with a elf hat or a Santa hat, and just because it all happened at Nakatomi Plaza during a Christmas party does not make Die Hard a Christmas movie. Home Alone. How is that a Christmas movie? I don't get it. I loved Home Alone. Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci make me laugh. Catherine O'Hara. Oh my God. Moira from Schitt's Creek. Do you guys know that Moira from Schitt's Creek was the mother in Home Alone? Macaulay Culkin. That movie's about a kid being left alone when the parents go on vacation. It's not a Christmas movie. So they're not eligible. Top five Christmas movies all time. Number five. Scrooged. Scrooge is a movie with Bill Murray. Carol Kane is in that movie, I believe. It's a movie about a man who works at a news station. And... He becomes, I can't remember, I'm so bad at this, either the ghost of Christmas past or the ghost of Christmas present or the ghost of Christmas future, or he's just a ghost, or he's the guy who sees the ghost and he's not the ghost. It's all very complicated, but funny and brilliant. And if you haven't seen Scrooged, you should, because it is the fifth best Christmas movie ever made. Okay. Fourth. Will Ferrell made a Christmas movie, and this is a Christmas movie. It's called Elf. If you haven't seen Will Ferrell in tights, then you haven't lived. Will Ferrell, it's one of the funniest Christmas movies. It's actually the third funniest Christmas movie, which gives you an indication of where my top five is going. There's not one joke that falls flat in Elf. The story is funny. The concept is funny. And I want to do a shout out to Will Ferrell, who makes movies that I enjoy that are both serious, everything must go, that are both touching and that are both hilarious. Will Ferrell made Elf. It's the fourth best Christmas movie ever made. Number three. Can you imagine loving someone so much that you would wear a vial of their blood as a necklace? I'm not getting that. You know, the whole blood brother thing, like, hey, let's do it. Like when you make cuts and then you shake hands and you're blood brothers forever. Or when you 
roofie each other before a bachelor party and you say that you're blood brothers? Billy Bob Thornton, when he was married to Angelina Jolie, they each wore vials of their own, each other's blood around their neck. They got tattoos of each other and then they had to cover up the tattoos. That's the whole thing about getting tattoos of someone you're married to. Like at some point, if you're not married anymore, do you cover up the tattoo? Do you change the tattoo? Do you not change the tattoo? What do you do with the blood? Do you, like, did he throw it away? Did he break the vial open? I, I can't answer. I'm not interested in Billy Bob Thornton personally. I got to first see him in Sling Blade, which people may not remember is a Billy Bob Thornton vehicle. I've reviewed Goliath, his new TV series that's outstanding. He's just good. Billy Bob Thornton appears in two of my top five Christmas movies, but number three, he is the star, and it's called Bad Santa. Bad Santa, I should have put number two as I think about it because I laughed harder at Bad Santa than I did at the number two movie, but there's something about the number two movie that has to stay number two, so I'm going to keep Bad Santa at number three. Billy Bob Thornton as a drunk Santa taking care of a boy in a way that is just pitch perfect for someone who doesn't want to take care of a boy. He's engaged in robbery. And I want to say that Bernie Mac was in Bad Santa. Is that possible, Coca? But I think I'm wrong. And I come to you legitimately. When I make these movies lists, I don't like go searching around. I go in my brain and I think about movies that made me laugh on a certain topic or movies of a certain person when I'm doing a top five. So by definition, I'm going to forget something, someone, so Bernie Mac, thank you, Coco, was in it. Wow. Rest in peace, Bernie. I really like Bernie Mac made me laugh. So Bad Santa, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Number two, Chevy Chase, despondent that he was hated on Saturday Night Live, despondent that he's such an absolute sort of miserable guy right now. Chevy Chase will go down in history for me as one of the top comedic actors, top five for sure. Absolutely beyond hysterical. He did a movie called National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And I am related to someone in that movie. So not only is it one of the funniest movies, but it's a family thing. Do you remember the grandmother in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? She had a very squeaky voice, which sounded a bit, I can't do it because I'm not a voiceover guy. Detroit Lions. Hi, you can get $30 cash back and an 8% APR on your new purchase. Come to our store now. Wait a minute, Coca, maybe I could do voiceovers. I would just have to make sure my voice doesn't crack. It stays deep and baritone-like. Hello, the number two rated movie is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation of all time. And the actress's name, who I'm related to, is Mae Questel, who also was the voice of Olive Oil. Check it out. Okay. The number one Christmas movie has Bill Nahi in it. Because if you still love Christmas, then let it snow. Hugh Grant, Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson. It's love, actually. Kira Knightley. If you don't love the scene where the guy is holding up signs, expressing and declaring his love to Kieran Knightley, Colin Firth is in the movie too, where he says that he will love her to the end of time. 
Love Actually is the movie that has 10 different stories that all go together. You've seen it. It's the best Christmas movie ever. The soundtrack, Hugh Grant dancing to the Pointer Sisters. Come on, go see it. Top five Christmas movies. So as I leave you today, I leave you with this. Coca has an expression and it's expression that is more apt today than it's ever been. And you know how every show ends because the whole purpose of nothing personal is that we are business. It is business. It is nothing personal. But as this year comes to an end, let's try something slightly different as 2021 approaches. Let's be better. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.